Good morning, and thank you for joining us on 5 at 8. It's Tuesday, October 31st, 2023, and here's Linda Carlisle and Mark Overman with today's top news. In this episode, we will talk about a potential surge in oil prices due to the escalating conflict between Israel and Hamas, Bank of China's latest financial report, Merck KJAA's collaboration with Jiangsu, Hangrui Pharmaceuticals, the alarming proximity to breaching the one, 5C climate threshold, and Elon Musk's attendance at a global AI summit in the UK. Story number one. A new report by the New York Times warns that a major escalation of the conflict between Israel and Hamas could lead to a surge in oil prices, potentially causing a new bout of inflation. The report suggests that if the conflict intensifies and spills over into a broader Middle East conflict, oil prices could increase by as much as 75%. This could exacerbate the economic consequences already caused by Russia's war in Ukraine. The World Bank's worst-case scenario predicts a disruption similar to the 1973 Arab oil embargo, which could remove up to 8 million barrels of oil per day from the market and send prices as high as $157 per barrel. The duration of the conflict and the sustained high oil prices will determine the effects on inflation and the global economy. The United States and Europe have taken measures to prevent oil prices from spiking including introducing a price cap on Russia's energy exports and tapping into strategic oil reserves. How about that, Linda? This latest report from the World Bank has me concerned. Our global economy is already reeling from the Russia-Ukraine conflict. And now, this potential escalation in the Israel-Hamas war could trigger another energy shock. We're looking at a possible 75% surge in oil prices if the conflict spills over into the broader Middle East. That's no small beans. Indeed. The situation is quite serious. The repercussions of this conflict could be far-reaching, particularly given the fact that the energy markets are already disrupted by the Ukraine crisis. The World Bank's projection of the oil prices averaging $1.90 per barrel. This quarter is alarming, and it's interesting that they're drawing parallels with previous conflicts like the Arab oil embargo in 1973, the Iraq War in 2003, and the Libyan Civil War in 2011. Right you are, Linda, and each of those situations had their unique impacts on the global oil market. But here we are now, potentially facing a dual energy shock for the first time in decades. This could mean higher prices for food, industrial metals, and gold if oil prices remain elevated. It's a ripple effect that could hit every corner of our lives. The interconnectedness of our global economy means that regional conflicts can have global economic consequences. It's not just about the immediate impact on the countries directly involved, and it's worth noting how the United States and Europe are trying to manage this situation. The introduction of a price cap on Russia's energy exports, for example, is an attempt to limit Moscow's oil revenues whilst ensuring oil supply continues to flow. Yeah, and don't forget about the Biden administration tapping into the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to try to ease oil price pressures. They're clearly pulling out all the stops to try to keep things stable. But you know, Linda, it's interesting to see the difference in outlook between the economic institutions and the government. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen doesn't seem as concerned about the economic impact of the conflict, noting that oil prices have so far been generally flat. It's a valid point, Mark. It does suggest a difference in perspective. Is it a case of the government wanting to avoid panic? Or are they seeing something different in their data? It's hard to tell at this point. But what is clear 
is that we're in a highly volatile situation where things could quickly shift. These are complex, intertwined issues that need careful management and response from global leaders. Story number two. Bank of China reported a 3.3% increase in net profit for the third quarter of this year, reaching 54.76 billion yuan, $7.48 billion, as reported by Reuters. However, the profit growth slowed compared to the same period last year, as banks face pressure to keep borrowing costs low to support the economy. The bank's net interest margin also narrowed, indicating a decrease in profitability. This comes as state-owned banks were asked to lower interest rates on existing mortgages to revive the real estate industry and boost the economy. The non-performing loan ratio at Bank of China slightly decreased to 1.27%. There's something intriguing about the Bank of China's latest financial results, don't you think, Linda? Despite a rise in net profit, they're dealing with a tight squeeze in margins. It's like they're trying to run uphill, huh? That's a good way to put it, Mark. Yes, it's a challenging situation. BOC is indeed witnessing a growth in net profit but at a reduced pace compared to previous years. This is happening in the backdrop of the government's directive to keep borrowing costs down, which in turn is affecting the bank's profitability. Right, it's like a tug-of-war between profit growth and policy adherence. But then, isn't this a common scenario? I mean, haven't we seen other nations' banking sectors grappling with similar domestic economic challenges? That's a pertinent point, Mark. The Profit versus Policy Balancing Act isn't unique to China. Banks globally often have to navigate this tricky path. However, the intensity and impact may vary depending on the economic and regulatory conditions of each country. Makes sense. And I see that the non-performing loan ratio also fell slightly. Would this have any significant impact on the overall situation? Well, theoretically, a decrease in the non-performing loan ratio indicates improving asset quality, which is a positive sign. However, the decline is quite marginal. Also, the broader economic conditions, like you mentioned earlier, the pressure to maintain low borrowing costs, could still influence the bank's profitability. So, it's like a tightrope walk, huh? Striving for profit while keeping in line with state policies. Just goes to show, there's never a dull day in the banking industry. It's a delicate balance that requires skill, foresight, and a keen understanding of both micro- and macroeconomic trends. A fascinating, albeit challenging, sector indeed. Story number three. German company Merck KJA has entered into a collaboration with Chinese drugmaker Jiangsu Hengrui Pharmaceuticals to expand its work in the field of DNA damage response drugs, as reported by Reuters. Merck will pay Hengrui 160 million euros up front with the potential for the deal to be worth up to 1.4 billion euros. The agreement grants Merck the license to develop, manufacture, and commercialize Hengrui's drug candidate HRS-1167, a DNA damage response inhibitor aimed at blocking cancer cells' ability to repair their genetic code. The collaboration also includes the rights to Hengrui's experimental precision drug against cancer, SHRA-1904. It's really something, this deal between Germany's Merck KGAA and Chinese drugmaker Jiangsu Hengrui. I mean, a collaboration of this kind really speaks to the power of international partnerships. You've got two pharmaceutical giants pooling their resources and expertise, all in an effort to develop potentially groundbreaking cancer drugs. This collaboration demonstrates a significant shift in the pharmaceutical industry. It's becoming increasingly common for companies to form strategic alliances to share the risks and rewards of drug development. And in this case, 
The focus is on DNA damage response drugs, a fascinating area of research. Yeah, and let's talk about that for a second. These DDR inhibitors are designed to stop cancer cells from repairing their genetic code when they multiply. It's a cutting-edge approach to cancer treatment, one that's also being pursued by rivals like AstraZeneca and GSK. Indeed, and it's worth noting that this isn't just about the development of one single drug. The deal also includes rights to Hengri's antibody drug conjugate SARA-1904, another experimental precision drug against cancer. It's all part of a larger shift towards personalized medicine, where treatments are tailored to the specific genetic makeup of a patient's tumor. That's a great point, Linda. And I think it's also worth noting the financial implications of this deal. Merck is paying Hengroy a whopping 160 million euros up front. If everything goes according to plan, the deal could be worth up to 1.4 billion euros. Now that's a lot of money, but it just goes to show the potential these companies see in this collaboration. Yes, the financial stakes are high, but it's not just about money. This collaboration could also lead to a significant expansion of the market for both companies. Merck, for instance, gains the license outside of China to develop, manufacture, and commercialize Hengrui's drug candidate HRS-1167. Right. And it's that kind of global reach that can really make a difference in the fight against cancer. This deal could potentially bring these innovative therapies to patients all over the world. And that's what this is all about at the end of the day, isn't it? Helping people. And while we need to be mindful of the challenges that come with these types of collaborations, including regulatory hurdles and potential cultural differences, the potential benefits, improved treatments, expanded markets, shared knowledge, make it a strategy worth pursuing. Story number four. According to a new report from the BBC, human fossil fuel emissions are pushing the one. 5C climate threshold much closer than previously believed. The report states that the threshold could be breached by 2029, a decade earlier than previous estimates, due to record levels of carbon dioxide emissions in recent years. Scientists are concerned that once the threshold is crossed, it will be difficult to bring temperatures back down. The 1.5C target is a crucial part of the Paris Climate Agreement and is particularly important for developing nations and small island states. The report calls for urgent and radical action to cut emissions in order to keep the 1.5C target alive. Can you believe this, Linda? The 1.5C climate threshold could be breached by 2029. That's way sooner than we thought, and it's alarming to think about how quickly things are changing. Indeed, it's concerning, Mark. But I think what's even scarier is that our current efforts to combat climate change might not be enough. We need to do more. And fast. Yes, Linda. But, ah, uh, the question is, how feasible is it for us to reach net-zero carbon emissions by 2034? I mean, that's a tall order. And while I agree that we need to do more, we also have to consider the economic implications of such drastic measures. I understand your concerns, Mark. But, consider this. If we don't take these measures now, the cost of dealing with the consequences of climate change later would be much higher. It's like, um, how do you say it? paying now or paying later and the latter could be significantly more expensive yeah i get your point linda but i still believe that we need a balance we can't just throw our economies under the bus in the name of mitigating climate change there has to be a way to do both i agree mark there has to be a balance but right now it seems we're tipping the scales towards economic growth at the expense of our planet and that's a price we can't afford to pay 
Story number five. In a report from the BBC, it is stated that Elon Musk is expected to attend a global summit on artificial intelligence, AI, in the UK this week. The summit aims to bring together AI experts and global leaders to discuss the potential risks of AI. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak will conduct a live interview with Musk after the event. Other prominent attendees include US Vice President Kamala Harris, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, and tech leaders from OpenAI and Meta. Musk, as reported by the BBC, has been vocal about the need for AI regulation and has expressed concerns about its safety. Could you believe it, Linda? Elon Musk is set to attend the AI summit in the UK. I mean, Musk's been raising alarms about AI safety for years now. He's been calling for the establishment of a regulatory body to oversee AI development. And I reckon he's got a point. Yes, Mark. His concerns are indeed valid. The rapid progress of AI carries potential risks such as job losses and spread of misinformation. The recent executive order by President Biden requiring AI developers to share safety results with the U.S. government is a step in the right direction. But I agree with Musk. More needs to be done. And remember, this isn't just about job losses or misinformation. It's about the potential threat to humanity itself. I mean, it's all well and good to strive for technological advancements, but not at the cost of safety. Certainly, Mark. And it's not just about creating regulations, it's about creating effective ones. We must ensure that they do not stifle innovation while making sure AI is developed responsibly. It's a delicate balance. Right, Linda. And speaking of responsible AI development, let's not forget about the data mining practices of AI companies. They're using vast amounts of data to train their chatbots. Now that's a whole different can of worms when it comes to ethics and privacy concerns. The way AI companies gather data for their chatbots raises major privacy concerns. It's not just a matter of can we do it, but also should we do it? And that's where the role of regulations and ethical guidelines becomes essential. Yes. I'm hopeful that this AI summit will help bring these issues to the forefront and drive meaningful conversations around AI safety and regulations. After all, the future of AI is not just about what we can achieve, but what we should strive for. Well said. The AI Summit is indeed an opportunity to discuss these pressing issues and hopefully lead to the development of a comprehensive approach towards AI, one that balances technological advancement with societal safety. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by Artificial Intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.